Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Love at First Psych, a psych rewatch and first watch podcast. I'm one of your host, Jake Christie, longtime psych fan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andre Barrera, who is a first-time psych watcher. Andre, Andre, how are you? Have, you know, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I got, I'm in the mood for a wedding, let's just say that. And what a beautiful wedding. What a beautiful wedding. Um, but what a shame. Poor group. No, that's actually not true. Uh, anyway. <laughs> time out episode three. You. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, episode three of Psych, it's about a wedding, as you mentioned. Um, now, you're a married man, but you didn't have a traditional wedding, right? Correct. Yeah, it was a pandemic wedding. So uh, the plan is to eventually on our five-year anniversary to have some sort of uh, event. And uh, yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't get to go through the whole rigmarole. But yeah, I mean, if this episode's any indication, maybe it might be a lot of stress. You know, you never know what's going on. Do you have any heirloom fa- heirlooms in your family? Uh, okay, well, I don't think my family's ever going to listen to this, but I actually did have my late father's wedding ring. Uh, mm-hmm. It's for like, it obviously would it was mine. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been for the bride, but I did lose it at some point in the last uh-huh. two years. Uh, which wasn't great. So I luckily my uncle had gifted me another wedding ring. So uh-huh. I was just wearing that in the interim. And then I bought a new one when I went to Turkey because it's gold's a lot cheaper over there. So mm-hmm. now I'm back back in it. Wonderful. Uh, my only family heirloom that I want is not a it's not jewelry, but uh, it's a car. No, it's not. Um, you actually pick something I'm interested in less than jewelry. <laughs> um, it's, what if it's a, a bejeweled car. My uh, grandfather on my mom's side, who died when my mom was 19, so like long before I was born, he was stationed in uh, Berlin in like the 60s. And mm-hmm. he has a gigantic, like three and a half feet tall, ornate beer stein with like a tableau of a fox on it and shit like that. And I've told my mom over and over again that I don't care. That's the only thing I want. I don't even know how much it's valued, but it is really cool. And that is the heirloom I would like. And I'm putting it out here again because I know people who know my mother listen to the show. So make I, the, the pressure needs to stay on because I've said it. I said it since my grandmother died and it became up in the air. And I'm just saying it again. I would like that. That's what I would like. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to hold back on the joke I was going to make because it's just not appropriate. Okay. I understand. I appreciate you that you say, that, saying that because uh, I didn't because I didn't know this grandfather. I can't be a judge of whether a joke would be okay or not because I don't want to besmirch the man's name. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we started in 1988. 85. Uh, sorry, 85. You're right. Uh, this is the first appearance of Liam James, who you said last week you never heard of, which is completely understandable. Um, yeah. And uh, he's playing a little game called hide and seek. Um, were you good at hide and seek as a child? Uh, yeah, I wasn't like the biggest child for my age, so I definitely could sneak into, uh, various closets, uh, crawl spaces. So yeah, I was pretty good at it, I want to say. Now, would you believe that a young Jay Christie was really too anxious to hide anywhere too good because he was afraid he'd never get found to be left there? Is that a thing you'd believe about me? It seems on brand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems totally on brand. I, I actually, I don't know if I did end up tweeting it, but I had the thought... When a lot of people were tweeting about like how bad it was, like J.K. Rowling was ruining their childhoods, and I actually don't think I tweeted because it, it would come off too sad if you didn't hear my tone of, I, "Don't worry, J.K. Rowling couldn't ruin my childhood. I already did that by being an anxious mess at the age of seven. Anyway, I'm gonna start calling you Jake Rowling. Jake, I'd rather you not. <laughs> like I actually, I don't mind most nicknames. 
But I, I'd rather you not that. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm a scumbag though because I actually own like Hogwarts Legacy, and that's. I mean, I think about Harry Potter is I think Harry Potter is genuinely really entertaining and the thing i can't stand is when people are like why do people even like it it's not even good fantasy yeah because we're all good discerners of good fantasy when we're 11 shut up you know what i mean like yeah it's not the lord of the rings but you're fucking reading the cimmerillion and i'm thinking about troll bogeys we're not the same and anyway. yes um, we are not the same but as always henry spencer's trying to give some pointers about in this case hide and seek yeah, it's um, <clears throat> he turns hide and seek into basically like a cop, uh, like training, uh, like exercise in some way, and he does bring up some good points. You can't possibly be good at hide and seek if you're wearing flip flops. Like, you know, I gotta say, like honestly, top three most annoying sounds in the world is the sound of flip flops like fucking flopping yeah. off the sole of your feet. I hate that shit. I also hate flip flops. I um don't. Yeah, I just, for some reason, I always feel like I'm going to f- fall out of them. And so... Um, Do you know how yeah. bad... That, you know how poorly that reflects upon us? You being from Florida and me being from California and we fucking hate flip-flops? Wait, the, thing, the great thing about being from Florida is you know what's socially acceptable to wear on the beach in Florida? Deck Crocs, shoes. baby. I own Crocs. Oh, I thought you were going to say deck I shoes keep them in Florida. I don't bring them to New York, obviously. But I'll tell you this. If you're on a boat going in and out of the water, you know what's not falling off your feet like flip-flops? Crocs aren't. Just saying. Yeah, you're amphibious, baby. I get it. Exactly. I respect it. Um, so, I, I will just say, I never really wear them outside of that context. I'm not going to freaking Walmart and Crocs. Um, anyway, uh, so sneaking around, and we lo- realize he's looking after Gus, and he ends up taking the pointers. And then we cut to Sean sneaking around the station because we learn apparently the attorney general. It's not clear if it's the California attorney general. I believe it is. Um, is there just so- one? Of yeah, attorney general, yes. District attorneys, there's many, but there's only one attorney general. Um like Kamala Harris was the attorney general of California. Um let me see. Yeah, I find it hard to believe that the attorney general would be based out of Santa Barbara. Well, not based out of, but if usually it's a someone who started as a district attorney. So for example, what would happen they're based out of Sacramento, but what would happen, Andre, for example, is that they might be the district attorney of Santa Barbara County, raise their family in Santa Barbara, and then get nominated to be the attorney general get elected to be the attorney general of California from that position. In the same way that like the governor of the governor of California, like Gavin Newsom was originally from San Francisco. So his family probably still lives in San Francisco, even though he works out of uh, Sacramento. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it. your current uh, attorney general, by the way, is uh, Rob Bonta. Uh, I believe oh, yeah. before that it was Xavier Becerra and then uh, Kamala Harris. Becerra. So, Becerra. Sorry about that. Uh, it's okay. But yeah. respect to uh, to Rob Bonta, my Fil- my Filipino homeboy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the attorney general for New York currently is uh, Tish James. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, did I vote for her this time? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I didn't vote for her last time, but anyway. I don't even know who the hell I voted for. I, I mean, I, I vote in every election because uh, New so York's dominant has New York ha- because the New York Democratic Party doesn't want people to vote because they like being entrenched in power. Uh, they split the primary elections into two different days, and so uh, it's annoying. So you have to vote like in one primary in like June and the other one in August, and one's for like certain state offices and one's for other state offices, and it's completely arbitrary. Okay. Well, yeah, New York yeah, sounds whack. Yeah, it is. So, there's a ring stolen from the AG's son wedding, and Sean and Gus want to get on the case. But of course, as happens frequently in this show, you're just letting you know, they're they, the police don't want them anywhere near this case. 
Yeah, they want them. They want Sean and Gus to work on the case of the stolen school laptops. Um, <clears throat> but you know, Sean already figured out the crime. Um, yep, a laptop to- stolen from school. It was Cam Newton. Anyway, um, that's, uh, a, joke. that's nice. a dumb joke. Um, no, I got right, it. Keep I got going. It. Uh, yeah, no. So he deduces that it was a secretary. He solved it already. And this is like the first time I think that we get Gus uh, buying or selling what Sean is selling. Selling? Reselling? Reselling what Sean is selling? Sure. Yes. Um, I yeah. think that that's the thing, too, that happens is obviously Gus and Sean have discord between each other a little bit. But I think there's a lot less there's a lot less friction with Gus being interested in pharmaceutical sales. You know, he, he he wants to do stuff, you know, he wants to be involved. Um, and so we learned that these learned worth $5 million and yeah, he tries to get the case from the chief and, uh, you know, he solves the case with laptops. Um, but, uh, Sean decides that he's going to take it into his, own, take this case into his own hands and start working on the case himself by specifically talking to the bridegroom and the maid of honor. Yeah. Who I was, uh, was I mean it was a pleasant surprise to see the groom played by I think the guy yeah the guy who's cucking Nick Brody in Homeland season one so yeah mm. we're back we're we, it's all come full circle baby cuck talk oh, yeah exactly I I'm so glad we got to episode three um if for anyone listening who didn't listen to the monk podcast welcome the big thing is <laughs> we noticed that in a lot of shows about murder specifically monk a lot of the times it involved a person being infidelity. mad that they were getting, yeah, infidelity. And so someone either being mad that they're getting cucked or getting killed because they were a cuck. And so we no, thought getting funny. killed because they, they were the cuckies. Yes, exactly. Basically, long story short, there's a lot of cuckolding in these murder shows, and we like to call it out. Um, anyway, uh, that's yeah. why we're sponsored by Liberty University. So, um, <laughs> so he talks to the best man, to the, um, to the bride, the groom, and the maid of honor, who happens to be the groom's sister. And we learn that uh, she planned the whole wedding. And, and that the best man is... Honor. Yes, and that the best man is missing. Those are like two of the biggest <clears throat> pieces of information we learn. And she's like smoking hot and is showing some sort of interest in Sean. I mean, he's, he's got great hair, you know. He's got yeah, confidence. I, you know what? You know what, though? I have a feeling I'm going to have trouble with how many like attractive women are like into this dude with yes, his atrocious uh sense of style i i agree i do just it, it was 2006 like i i understand what you're saying but yeah. like that was an acceptable way to dress unfortunately it's not good i mean but... i mean i mean if we're going back to the flip-flop talk that was definitely the era of wearing like abercrombie or hollister like polo shirts with mm-hmm. like a shirt under underneath that Mm-hmm. I, I think it was a little bit past the puka shells, but definitely with flip flops. Yeah. So jeans and flip flops—that was the fucking look. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, and so, uh, Lasseter and Juliet enter, and Lassie really threatens Sean, uh, and he says that he'll throw every book at him. I'll throw every book I find at you. And Sean says, "What if you find the Bible?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 not the first book I would have called out, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Gus gets a call from Sean. He doesn't. He's not interested. He doesn't uh, want to work on this. So Sean goes to the hotel by himself that the wedding is at. And... Wait, hang on, real real oh. quick. Sorry. Um, is this the first time that we see the the company that sh- that Gus works at? 
I don't know if pharmaceuticals. We see, I don't know if we necessarily see the name of it, but obviously we see the offices in the first episode. Um, but yeah, Central Coast Pharmaceuticals is the name of the company, um, which is a good generic. It's a good generic name for company because yeah, Santa Barbara is in the Central Coast. Um, yes. So uh, we go to the hotel and we learn that Lassie is renting a hotel room um, by himself to work on the case, and um, Sean is sneaking around again. But he gets caught. Yeah, he gets caught, and um, <clears throat> well, he well, first of all, like he overhears the AG talking with Lassiter and Juliet, and they're basically laying out what needs to happen. Which basically, everyone that's at the hotel needs to get investigated. Every piece of luggage needs to be investigated. And yeah, I, it just seems like uh, this is going to be like a lockdown situation. Nobody leaves, uh, and nobody comes in. Kind of. Exactly. But yeah, so, he does he does get caught by a security guard mm-hmm. and through the use of his, you know, police slash psych kind of mm-hmm. uh sixth sense, let's just say, he um he he sees that the security guard is like a germaphobe. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, he catches him with like an N ninety five mask and mm-hmm. some like vinyl gloves and makes up some sort of excuse about there being some sort of an outbreak of spores, which yeah. is incredibly uh prescient considering what we're going through now uh well not what we're going through now, now but we're going through with it with a show that's very the popular yes yes correct um yes uh yes shouts to spores i'm kidding um so we he's you know tons a lot like to give him access to everywhere to the vents and everything like that and so with that in mind we go to lassie giving a brief that, that's that's what we're gonna do now is it's lassie that's no, that's what Sean calls him. I just eventually, oh, okay. like that's just his nickname. It's Lassie and Jules. That's just I'm just spoiling it. That's what he calls him. Um, by the way, real quick, I randomly, um, on I had I was listening to like the Letterbox podcast, mm-hmm. one of them, and they were talking about like, um, like just random movies. And I think the last movie they referred to that they were watching was a movie called Down with Love. I don't know if you ever yeah, saw that. I love that movie. Yeah, I mean, I saw it too. I, I liked it a lot. And fucking Lassie's in that. Yeah, Catch has met his match. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, and I you was, know, you know who directed that movie? Uh, Peyton Reed, the director. Just directed Man, Man, exactly what I just yeah, watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, Down with Love is a movie. He, you know, Peyton Reed. A little fun fact: Peyton Reed was on board to direct a before Down with Love came out. He was hired to direct a 1960s set Fantastic Four movie, and because Down with Love bombed so hard, they fired him. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's a shame. But he had, I mean, he had the last laugh. I mean, uh, do you, can you even name who directed uh, the Fantastic Four movie that did come out? Anyway. Um, uh, Tim Story and yes. uh, the other guy, don't tell me, Josh, the guy who Trank. did Chronicle. Trank. Trank. Yeah. Fun fact about the Fantastic Four, and this is just me just being dumb, that I believe until Black Panther, Fantastic Four was the highest grossing movie directed by a black director, which is not a great stat that that happened. Anyway, uh... Would have preferred yeah. if it was other that more movies are directed by black people because that movie did not make that that much money anyway. Um, so yeah. we learned that the safe is the, what we learned in the briefing basically is that the safe is impenetrable. Like somehow it got stolen. There is no one enters it. We see the people like putting the ring in the safe and it looks fine, right? Like the, it's not like there's a safe cracking on film. Yeah, there's nothing that's super obvious. Um, no, like. They, I guess there were sensors in the room that would have t- indicated if anything was opened. 
uh, between the hours of when that was placed and then the next morning, which is when it was discovered that it was gone. There was a time lock that stops anyone from accessing, but that doesn't stop Lassie from seeing some flaws in, in the videotape. He, he notices nine glitches specifically. Mm-hmm. And he starts to kind of get into like his theory of the crime, uh, which only leads to him getting questioned by yes. Juliet. Jules, sorry, and no, you don't um, have to. You, you don't have to do that. I mean, come on. Well, now I'm going to do it. Uh, Jules and some random uh, uniformed officer. I believe you mean Buzz McNabb. He's important. I'm kidding. You don't need to know that, but he is Buzz McNabb. Okay. Um, so uh, his theory basically is the Ocean's Eleven theory that they set up a full scale replica of the room and uh, put the feet in. Um, is that what happens? What in Ocean's Eleven? Yeah. I mean, I know you've definitely seen Ocean's Eleven. I've never fucking. I literally haven't. God, I, I, I'm sorry re- I spoiled I, that. I, I rented it. The, I rented it the other day and watched. It was after I watched another movie. I think I was like that, forty-five. The minutes o- in Ocean's Eleven is one of my probably twenty-five favorite movies ever made. I love that movie. I mean, my um, wife was like the one that told me to. like... Steven Soderbergh is definitely. Is pr- I would say pretty safely my second favorite director behind P.T. Anderson. Um, Dude, but you know what's fucking crazy? It's that uh, I recently watched um, Magic Mike XXL. Yeah. And I'm just going off letterbox reviews, right? And Magic Mike 1 and mm-hmm. 3 are less are less rated than Magic Mike XXL, which is the one that he didn't direct, but yes. he fucking edited and did the cinematography for. Yeah, I I also I haven't seen Last Dance yet, but XXL is better than the original because it doesn't have Alex Pettifer in it, who is a wet blanket of an actor. Um and fucking Cody Horn. Yeah, just two honestly disastrous like lead actor performances in a movie just really bad yeah um and whereas magic mike xxl has andy mcdowell being in like a horny wine mom group with joe manganello <laughs> hooking up it's great it's a great movie it was, it was really good I, I saw it like a week ago it was, yeah. I, okay that's I, what it was i watched for the record magic for the record mike... i follow you on letterboxd i know these things i'm not that okay. I'm, you're telling the audience but i do follow you yeah i watched magic mike xxl and then after that i'm like okay let's watch it like i'm like she yeah. wanted to watch Ocean's Eleven because I told her it was Soderbergh or whatever, and so we tried to, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> Great movie. You should watch. Try it again. Uh, anyway, um, I'm yeah. curious to hear what you think about Ocean's Twelve because it's one of the most divisive blockbusters ever made. Um, I originally okay. didn't like it, but I've come around to it. Uh, I've only so, seen Ocean's Thirteen. That's so weird that that's the case. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the nose plays. So anyway, uh, Sean is in the vents laughing at Lassie. Um, <laughs> But we learn that the one guy who doesn't have an alibi is Diedrich Mannheim, who is a security guy um, who apparently didn't show up for work today. And I assume you know this from any crime show. When the first suspect's name is thrown out and they didn't show up for work, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and according to Lassie, uh, when he was uh, not interrogated but questioned, uh, I guess it's the same thing. Yeah. Interrogated just sounds a lot more serious. Um, but he seemed like he was nervous, he was evasive, and he constantly contradicted himself. And they looked into his like uh, internet browser history, and it looks like he's been looking at some expensive shit lately. Yep. So that's why you got to delete your browser history. Um, Incognito and, mode, son. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we then see Sean meet Juliet for breakfast. Juliet's you know just sitting by herself eating breakfast, and he offers to read her palms after explaining that he was invited to the wedding. Um, and have you ever gotten a palm reading before? No. Yeah, uh, no, no. Yeah, neither have I, and I don't intend to. Uh, so I do love the quick joke when he first was reading her palm. He goes, air supply? <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, I was like, wait, what? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of 80s and 90s pop culture references. Uh, as the show goes on, it gets more and more. Um, what was she eating? It looked like it was like a yogurt cup or something. Yeah, like a yogurt parfait is what I thought. Wow. Um, I mean, yeah, but, you know. That's, that's not a lunch, and she doesn't have to be watching her weight, so... I mean, it, I, I I agree with you, but I've also, you know, you know, I've, I've probably gained 15 pounds in the last like three years, so I can't exactly be given diet advice. Um, mm. So uh, he, he's like, but no one respects your opinions. They think you're too young, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, he, he's accurately picking up on like her active concerns yes. uh, professionally. Yes. And so then we cut to Gus, who gets some really bad news. Yeah, his cat, uh, Mrs. Pickles. She's in the animal hospital and she's got a broken leg. Um, and the problem with that is that Gus doesn't have a cat. So he rightfully assumes that Sean is just trying to like, yeah. you know, get his attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like all like, I guess a bunch of like female coworkers are trying to like, you know, guilt him into going and he yeah. eventually like, you know, he does. Yeah. And sure enough, he finds Sean outside uh, laying down on the hood of his car mm-hmm. and yeah, he's mad about it. But yes. yeah, go, go, go. But like uh, one of my favorite motifs in Psych is that Gus will be mad at Sean for trying to rope into a case. But then Sean will bring up a detail about the case where Gus is like, oh, this is about safe cracking. Because apparently Gus is really into safe cracking, which makes a lot of sense. I think even the little you know about him, I feel like that tracks for his character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a very, uh, you know, he's a very intelligent guy. He's very into like methods and into like, you know, he was into spelling bees. It's not a, a, he's a gigantic... Dweeb. Yeah, he's not a gigantic leap of faith to to assume that he'd be into safe cracking. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. safe cracking is cool. Mm-hmm. I I want to say I spent a non a not insignificant amount of time on that Reddit thread when that guy was trying to crack that safe. Oh my god! Yeah, that ended up being a complete waste of time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would tell people to look it up for context, but don't because the spoiler nothing was there. Um, a spider was there. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so. We cut to them back them at the hotel, and Chief Vic catches them, and we learn that Sean's guess that the secretary was the one who stole the laptops is right, but she's like, I didn't ask you to come down, but then she's like, I didn't see you, and we didn't talk, because she's, she believes in them, like, she's kind of, she won't admit it, but she wants them there. Yeah, absolutely. She would not mind if they made, if they made her life and the, the police department's life a lot easier mm-hmm. by... I mean, at this point, they have their two for two, right? Exactly. And so then we see Sean go up to the guy behind the counter. The um, what's that? Where, where am I? What word am I looking for? Um, the front desk person, concierge, whatever. And uh, learn... no, con- no, no, concierge is the person who specifically books mm-hmm. like things, uh, activities. Right, right. So we learn that he tricked, uh, that he got over obstacle one by tricking the front desk guy to think that he was an Interpol. Um, and, uh, that's a joke about the bandage Interpol. Um, anyway, sorry. Fuck, I, I, I missed it. I'm so sorry. I said obstacle one, which is one of their, ah, yeah, yeah. I fucking love yeah. Interpol. Yeah. yeah. I don't know a lot of their songs, but that song rules. Um, and so they're, they start making keys for everyone in the wedding party, which I don't love that. It's that easy to make a key for, uh, for someone in a hotel. I mean, have you not seen it happen? It's definitely that easy. I guess so. But I I, I, I never think about it. Um, yeah, it's not great. I mean, it's like, okay, sure. Like, it's not ideal. But at the same time, like, if you're staying at a hotel, I mean, okay. 
this is with a massive like caveat that when I go to hotels, yeah. it's typically not to go murder someone or like Correct. have sex with a prostitute. So I really have nothing to hide when I'm at That's a hotel. That's true. Also, there is also the deadbolt lock, so I guess you're probably fine. Um, yeah. And so uh, they start going into different rooms. We know that Uncle Leo is innocent because he left his wallet on the table. And then we got to the big wedding suite where everyone's in there. Um, and Sean, you know, hits it off again with all the people. Yeah, he's a real people's person. Um, you know, I think he overcame all the 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 toughness in his life that seemed to have uh, come from his father. I actually can't wait to see his mother or like hear about her more because I'm just curious how the hell he ended up this way with such a straight laced dick of a dad. Yeah, I think that she really shepherded him to be the type of person, like a better you know, person, uh, like, a yeah. around. um, and so he starts we, to talk to Lacey again. Um, and she like goes through her, like her life story about like, what, what was it again? Like that was she thing? was going to law school, but then she quit and went to Europe and sank a boat. Um, yeah. and we also learned that, uh, on top of the ring going missing, the florist quit. So they had to make all their own bouquets, which was really mm. stressful. Um, mm-hmm. but then the AG comes in and he, uh, kicks Sean out very sternly. Yeah. Um, yes, that, that he does do that. But also I think at this point we start to get like a little bit of a misdirect where they start to question the, um, they start to question the best man and his behavior. Yeah. Let's just well, cause say. he's missing. Yeah. Correct. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. He said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, the, he, the, the father seems like, I mean, as an attorney general would probably be, he seems like a total dick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get kicked out, but they go to the next room. They, they move on to the next room and it is completely empty. No one's there. And they, they find what appears to be evidence that this is, uh, Lassie's room. Yes. There's police files mm-hmm. and they proceed to go through that. They do yes. a lot of, a ton of illegal shit. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big theme of the show. Uh, yeah. I mean, technically speaking, what he's doing the entire time is fraud. Um, so it's all illegal. But um, And the bellhop ends up coming in. Well, first, actually, we learn that the attorney general has an insurance policy on the ring, so he becomes a suspect. But then the bellhop enters and mistakes Sean for Lasseter and uh, thinks – and so they start. he starts acting like he's Lassie um, and gets the room service menu. Yeah. Room um, service is fucking awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, and so we, they're trying to see the safe. They want to see the safe. And so they, the only way they can get into it is to go through the dumbwaiter in the kitchen. But unfortunately, uh, the dumbwaiter is, is full. It's, it's yeah. full with a body. Yeah, just like Halloween H2O, there's a body in there, all right. Actually, that's I haven't seen that one. Um, I'll oh. go through all of them ne- next Halloween. Sorry for the spoiler. It's fine. I've seen Halloween, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and then the two new Halloween movies. I'm sorry, the three new Halloween movies. Okay. I never saw Resurrection or Halloween 2. I never saw Halloween 2 or Resurrection. I'm a big fan of Halloween, Season of the Witch, which is not a good movie, but it's a movie about masks with microchips in them that are made out of Stonehenge, made by druids. So, like, it's, it's good. Like, it's a movie that is very interesting to talk about. I don't know how often I watch it again. But everything I said about it is cr- true and correct. Um, I mean, that's weird as fuck. But like, also weird part is that the the main guy in the movie has like thirty years on his love interest easily. Th- that is a thing that is true. <laughs> that is an accurate statement about the movie Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. 
yeah. but um, you know, it's, it's the eighties, man. So um, Gus, of course, is disgusted by the body, and we realize that it's Mannheim. Um, and so, at this inopportune moment, who is it calling? But Henry Spencer. Yeah, he gets he gets yeah. It's a random like uh, little side conversation. Basically, I, I think in the last few days or a week, uh, Sean had called up his dad about mm-hmm. getting like about picking up a box of his trophies. Which yeah. I didn't take Sean to be the kind of kid that would have trophies. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. And yeah, I'm not really sure what the point of that whole thing. was. Neither was I. I suspect it might have been like a scene cut out, but I don't really know why the scenes in the episode. But anyway. Um, after this happens, they decide obviously that they need to somehow get the cops to hear, but at the same time, Lassie is kicking them out because the attorney general called him. Um, and, uh, they end up getting dragged out until Sean has a vision where he drags them basically to the, um, to the dumbwaiter. Yeah. To like the kitchen area. And then Juliet opens, uh, the dumbwaiter and finds a dead body. And Yeah. At this point, Lasseter just he's he's done with it. He wants to kick out. Um, mm. He wants to kick both Sean and Gus out, and the AG shows up and basically throws his weight around. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like a power struggle there. I think the yeah, I think the AG dude is kind of like kind of a dickhead. Yeah, I would say that that's definitely an accurate statement. Um, and so we go back to Lassie's room, and it turns out that Sean has taken on the responsibility of throwing the bachelor party because the best man's missing. Um, and of course, everything's being charged to Lassie's room. Very fun. Yeah. Hunting. All, I mean, all things considered, it seemed like a pretty lame ass bachelor party. Have you been on a bachelor party? I actually have not because I, uh, am 26 and I went to school in New York on like my brothers who is my brother. My twin brother has been to many, not many, but like four or five because in Florida people get married younger. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I've been so on anyway. a few, and they've been, <laughs> yeah. Some real debauchery. Um, and so Sean ends up, you know, Gus is mad that they're doing all this, but Sean basically is like, these people are all drunk, they're giving me answers, and he eliminates everyone in the Bachelor Party as a suspect from from all this, uh, specifically the groom, too, because apparently the groom didn't even want the ring. Uh, it was bestowed on him by his father, and he doesn't. he hopes they don't even find it. Yeah, his dad apparently stopped his speech when he was, you know, proposing and all that, and mm-hmm. um, and he he was the one that proposed, no pun intended, proposed the idea of having the grandmother's ring involved. And yeah, as far as he is concerned, as far as he yeah, feels, he mm-hmm. would rather they just give up the search for the ring and just carry on with everything. Yeah, and so before passing cut, out, we cut to them at the bachelorette party, which they're clearly having more fun at. Well, Gus is having more fun. Oh, at. absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Lacey and Sean leave Gus alone in the bachelorette party. They go downstairs, and we see that the bouquets are all locked up. And Lacey says she wants to fix hers and asks Sean if he can open it up. And he really can't. But before any of that happens, Gus comes down with his shirt off, whipped cream on his head. And what does he say had just happened? Uh, He says he claims that he got a lap dance from Patrick Swayze. A stripper who looks like Patrick Swayze? No, apparently the very same one. Um, I want to say at this point, Patrick says he was still alive. Yeah, he was. And I think that I, if I remember correctly, 
I think this episode was probably shot before he announced he had pancreatic cancer, but aired after. Because I remember when it happened, I was like, isn't he sick? And I suspect that it was like the joke didn't land as well because we were all thinking about how he was, you know, dying. Yeah. Um, But rest in peace, Patrick Sweezy. Great guy. Um, You know. I need to watch. I need to watch Roadhouse. Oh, Roadhouse is such a dumb movie. It has one of the greatest lines in film history, though. When Kelly Lynch asks him, do you ever win a fight? And he says sternly to her, nobody ever wins a fight. <laughs> hey, I love that. And you know where his character got a degree in philosophy from? That's right. NYU in New York City, baby. Uh, we're all both with the same alma mater. Um, and, and and much like I got to write a degree in TV writing and I work as a secretary, he has a degree in philosophy and he works as a bouncer. Sometimes we don't get the jobs we want. Anyway, um, they we cut to uh the next day and Lacey's freaking out because the it's, bouquets, a day, it, it's a day it's a day of the wedding. day of the wedding Lacey's freaking out because the bouquets aren't there i'm curious in that moment were you picking up on the the bouquets, the bouquets absolutely yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> she's being like more of a sorry she's being more of a bridezilla than the bride you know the bride's mm-hmm. very chill actually you know mm-hmm. i'm sure she's yeah. thrilled i mean i'm not sure what her family dynamics are but She's about to come into some serious family mm-hmm. cash. Exactly. And we see a moment where Lacey is asked to, one of the, like, the little flower girl doesn't want to wear a flower in her hair. But Lacey convinces her to by pretending it's magic, by using some trickery to get it in her hand. Like the, the old stuff something in your palm because you have magic. Hey, you know what I mean? It's Sleight of hand. Sleight of hand. Sleight of hand, yes. I don't know why I wasn't you just use that phrase. I was trying to remember the name of the magic term. But now that I'm realizing it, if I said it, that would make me look horrible that I knew it. Um, and it just came to me. I'm not going to say it. So um, the uh, we we see that you know she has that talent. But anyway, um, Lassie is. We see him at the front desk, and he's learning about all the charges to the room. Um, and he re- he's, he realizes it's Sean. Yeah, and the room service guy kind of blows up his spot right then and there. He's like he refers to him as like being of a certain height, wearing a certain jacket, and Lassie knows immediately that it's the con man. Not a, he's not a con man, but you know, he would probably consider him some sort of some, some sort of con man. Mm-hmm. And he even like uh the 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 bellhop guy or the room service guy even talks about or refers to them filling up the jacuzzi with champagne last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Which if that was the case, it would be a lot more than fucking sixteen hundred dollars. Correct. 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 Even if it was like Andre's champagne. Exactly. I hate that. I hate that cheap champagne is named after me. It's fucking. I actually. I don't know if I've ever. I've only had champagne at like weddings and like New Year's events hosted by people who my parents' age. So, um, I'm also not champagne's fine. Not, and I'm not a huge fan of champagne. It gives me a stomachache. I prefer prosecco, but that's. I mean, I feel like that's. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm doing a mimosa, I, I'm doing. I'm doing prosecco. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we cut to the wedding, and. As you might expect, uh, it all comes to a head at the speak now, forever hold your peace moment. Because um, what would a movie, what would a movie or TV show with a wedding be if someone didn't say something there, you know? You know what? I would have like, I mean, I don't wish badly upon people. I do on some people, but like certainly not anyone whose wedding I've been to. But I would fucking kill just to have one wedding that yeah. I attend where somebody would be like, I haven't, I have a mm-hmm. grievance to air. Yeah. It's never happened. No, I remember there was once a Reddit thread where someone asked 
um, it, people who officiate weddings. And, like, the consensus was it basically, if it has happened at all to anyone, it happened once. Like, it's not, it's not something that happens often. Because, like, yeah. human beings are just, like, we're just really preternaturally against shaming ourselves. Like, it's really hard to, you know, like, we don't like being embarrassed. And no matter what, it's embarrassing if you do that. Um, yeah. But this is where Sean used this opportunity to explain how he solved the case. And uh, I'd like you to, if you can remember, you don't have to remember his visions or do any of his antics, but what exactly, how did he put it all together? Well, first of all, he accuses Lacey uh, of stealing the ring. Um, And she, you know, obviously is upset and she calls off their date for the next Friday. But so we go through basically how whatever he assumes it happened. Essentially, that same night that the groom, I think his name is Tyler. Is it Tyler? Dylan, I believe. Dylan, Dylan, yeah. Uh, close. It was a second letter. That's a Y. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so when Dylan was giving his speech about, like, proposing it or whatever, um, that's when the dad came out that he was going to give the grandmother's ring to the bride for, you know, obviously, I think it was the first kid getting married. First of his kids getting married. Mm-hmm. And so... Lacey had no idea that that ring was eventually going to go to Dylan or to Mm -hmm. Dylan's partner. And she was always her grandmother's favorite. So rightfully you would assume that, or she would have assumed that the ring would have gone to her. Mm -hmm. And I I don't like, I mean, I don't know if there was like any sort of evidence of money trouble, but essentially it was like her future, like wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of, she wanted it. She thought it was hers. And I think that the implication is that since she didn't, follow her family's law footsteps that Ah. maybe she was maybe the reason she went did all that stuff in europe is because she assumed that she had five million dollars coming her way yeah you know i hadn't even thought about that but yeah so basically yeah she's upset about that so she's gonna make it a point to grab that when she gets a chance so she had a very small window in which to navigate this uh crime and it was when they were all as we've seen the 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 footage the security footage of them all around the safe um she used her powers of sleight of hand to bump into the person that was holding it she grabbed the ring and bang like whenever they put whatever the 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 box carrying the ring whenever that went into the safe it never had the ring at all right so yeah she snagged the ring and i guess the only person that picked up on that was the stiff uh Oh, you're good at that. Uh, the stiff Dietrich Mannheim. Um, I guess he apparently called her, caught her in the act, and eventually he was like basically blackmailing her to get a piece of that action, and she didn't want to share it. She didn't want anyone to know about it, so she fucking smacked him up with a with some uh, some a fire uh, extinguisher like, looked like or some, something like that or a oh, butane torch. Like, I thought it was like kitchenware, but yeah, okay, something like that. I just want to note that uh, I was trying to not distract but i was trying to do some sleight of hand to andre via zoom i used to be like decent at that technique which is the french drop which is the when you have something in one hand you pretend to grab it with the other and it's still in the first hand um you know uh i love i'm very interested i'm very interested in magic but once again this is the classic jake bit of would you believe that i'm very interested in magic but i don't have the discipline to practice it (laughs) um anyway i was never good at magic yeah i love magic a lot um but uh anyway um so she's you know she's caught and um it's in her bouquet and so she runs away and they chase her 
And of course, there's a good gag. She accidentally trips over an old lady's foot and she throws the bouquet up. And who's catching it other than our friend Burton Gus Guster? Yeah. You know what's weird? Okay. I I wasn't sure. Was it the the grandmother? Was she dead? No, I think she was just sleeping. Okay, but that's the grandmother, right? That's her I, ring? I no, 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 no. That's not I don't think I think there was just a lady. I don't think that that's supposed to be the grandmother. Okay, I thought it was for whatever reason. No. But yeah, she 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 trips, she goes flying over the gift table, mm-hmm. and yeah, Gus catches the bouquet so lucky for him he's mm-hmm. next i don't exactly. think it's gonna happen anytime soon but yeah yeah I, I don't think so either um and so uh we then see lassie drag sean to the front desk um about the charges and because he's an interpol the front desk guy covers for him and so does the bellhop because he's deep undercover and he, <laughs> Room charges. Interpol can't be dealing with this nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, this is bigger than this. Yeah, you know, you got to have some slow hands um, if you don't realize what's going on there. I see. I, I, that was, I, when I was thinking about making the original Interpol joke, I'm like, what would be easier to fit into a sentence? Obstacle one or slow hands? And I chose obstacle one, and I'm sorry I took it off the board because, um, yeah. Those yeah. are really their two mains, the big songs. Um, and uh, so, there's a few more. Yeah, but I would say that those are like, no, I'm saying like in terms of like the, you know, if you're doing a joke about Interpol in working one of their song titles, I would say that those are the two you choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So anyway. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. That should be somewhat easy to fit in. Um, Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. They absolve Sean basically from being the guy who ran up the charges, which, you know, I'm sorry. Like if I'm Lassiter, like that's not going to end. That's not going to stop no. me from trying to figure out who the fuck did this. Yeah, I'm you pulling cameras and shit. Yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah. not just pulling out my credit card. They've been and pulling paying. cameras all weekend. You yeah. mean like what do you what do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not just charging that to my credit card. That's stupid. But anyway, yeah. we cut to the police station, and um, you know, Sean's talking about how he's you know he, that he we learned Sean apparently gave a toast at the wedding, and that he's going to give the toast at uh, Gus's wedding. He says, "Yeah." And Gus tells him that Sean won't be his best man, but like, don't get it twisted. Like, it's very obviously going to yeah. be that. And Sean um, says that he's going to sing a song, and he says, "You still like Ted Nugent?" Um, yeah. yeah, I'll say this in my notes. I wrote Lacey's in the clink now, which I just fucking love saying in the. Oh, clink. great stuff! I just think that's fucking. Unlike, awesome. but unfortunately, she looks like she's be doing a lot more than a nickel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and then that's the end of the episode. Uh, what would you give this episode out of ten? Yeah, I gave it like a. I think I'm like pretty consistent. I think it's like I don't think we rated last episode. Or if we yeah, did, I, I. I mean, you know me. I never. Cover. I've never particularly cared about the ratings, but. Yeah, I gave it a seven and a half this time. Yeah, uh, I think it was the same as the pilot. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit better, but I think. I think what I'm struggling with is that there's like, I'm finding it a little bit hard to believe that somebody would kill somebody over stealing a ring when you can just easily just explain it to like your dad, like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I, I did that. That's a good point. But also honestly, whenever that something like this happens in a movie or TV show, I kind of chalk it up to like, I don't fucking know rich people dynamics. Like I just, I, I don't know what it's like, you know, like I can't. Yeah, obviously me neither. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah. And I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, like the monk ones, they were like a little bit like easier to buy. You yes. know, like the motivation. This one was kind of just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I buy like the, that she would have been driven to this. 
I mean, the thing about the murder happened because she was already in for a penny. Like once, once Mannheim was accusing her, was like threatening to call to tell people. Her choices were either to admit that she stole a family heirloom and then get cut out of her rich family, or kill him. So in that case, I understand why she murdered him then, because the two choices are basically be broke or kill a guy, and a lot of rich people will choose kill a guy. But I agree with what you're saying about like the original choice to steal the ring. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's uh, it's it's a tough one to see. But I mean, like I'm sure again. This is the first season of a show, so I won't hold yeah. it too, too. Yeah, let's too not much. forget how some how bad some of the original Monk episodes are. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I gave it a seven and a half. You? Yeah, I'm, about, I'm basically the same. Um, but what I what I'm the same about with every week is that I'm going to tell you that you can listen to more when we're back on Monday. Oh, sorry, on Tuesday. Um, you can follow the show at First Psych on Twitter. Andre, would people follow you? You could follow me at. Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at the J Christie. Please rate if you subscribe. Share the show with the biggest psych fan in your life. Um, and the second and third. Because you might have multiple psych fans in your life and share the show with everyone. Um, and yeah, we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of uh Psych and Love at First Psych. Talk to you guys then. Mm-hmm.